Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Good morning. Great to see you guys. Welcome to uh, Lake Point. Thanks, thanks for coming. Hey, my name is uh, Mike Bro. In case never met before, and I get to be on the teaching team at this amazing place. And just want to welcome all of our campuses and those of you that might be joining us online. So stoked you're with us this weekend, and uh, I get to say Happy New Year for the first time. So Happy New Year to everybody. Glad, glad that you're here. It's good to be back with y'all. Uh, we're kicking off a new series that started this year. It was called First. And uh, it's just about putting first things first in our life, more specifically, uh, putting God first in everything in our life. Y'all ever uh, gotten up in the morning, kind of a lot of sleepy, maybe on your way to school or on your way to work or whatever, and and you're going to wear a button-up shirt, and you kind of miss the top button, and all day long your shirt is all jacked up. You know what I'm talking about? No one ever tells you that it looks stupid. Uh, The the key is getting the first button right first, right? And then everything else is kind of falls in line. And the same thing is, is, is true in life. If we, if we get this first relationship, number one relationship, if we get that button right, then everything else in our life tends to follow right after that. So that's what we're going to focus on in this new year. And living in this incredible age of technology, uh, we know more than ever uh, what it means to like sync up, right? We, we sync up on our Bluetooth, we sync up on our personal hotspots, our Dropbox accounts, our, our calendars, our social media feeds. We'll, we will sync up to the, you know, the Wi-Fi connection at the local Starbucks. We, we know how to sync up. We, we know how to connect. But did you know that you and I were created with Bluetooth connectivity with heaven? Yeah, our creator built into you and me the capability to sync up with him. In fact, to be connected to us, that is God's first passion. He's always longed for this intimate relationship with you and me. And I know that sometimes we can all feel kind of like, yeah, I I, I mean, I believe in God, but I don't feel especially close to him. I I don't really feel his presence right now. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm in kind of a dead zone where I can't get service, but whatever it is, it's it seems like I'm like a million miles away from him. Ever, ever been there? Man, I have. And I've been learning that there are some things that you and I can intentionally do to reestablish our connect- connectivity with God, all kinds of things that help us sync up our hearts with him, such as allowing God to speak to us through his word on a daily basis, reading the Bible. There's all kinds of daily Bible reading plans that you can do in this new year, and hopefully you've found one and started to follow one. And the goal is this, not to get through the Bible. The goal is to have the Bible get through us. When we do that, we get to know God better and our hearts get synced up to his heart. Another way is prayer. 
just talking to God. You know, it's hard to be in a relationship with somebody if you never, ever really talk to them. And we have this incredible access to our Father through prayer. It's a major way that you and I stay connected, stay synced up with Him. And He's not looking for polished, churchy words. He just wants you to show up as you. He loves you uniquely, wants to hear your voice. He just wants you to come with all that you are and just unpack your heart with Him. When we do that, it keeps us synced up with Him. Now, there's lots of different ways to stay connected to God, but today I want to talk about one that I believe helps us all keep Him first in our hearts, and that is the practice of worship. What's cool about the three things I just mentioned is that these are three things that we practice when we come together and we celebrate in this place on the weekend. We open up God's Word where we learn together, we get encouraged together, we get inspired together, we get challenged together, we get comforted together, and we pray together. And we pray for each other. And not just like in the big room. I've seen people huddle up in hallways and in classrooms and out in the parking lot just huddle up praying for each other. And we lift our voices and we worship God together. I love music. I am a music lover. I'm sure there's some of you out there that are music lovers too. And my XM radio in my truck is programmed to a variety of music, from worship music all the way to old school country, to smooth jazz, to 70s rock, to R&B, to current pop. I just like, like all kinds of music. And one of my favorite pathways to sync up my heart with the heart of God is through worship. Now, now let me say that I believe that worship is much more uh, than just singing uh, worship is actually a lifestyle. I love the way the message puts Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and just place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So worship is a lifestyle where we take an ordinary sleeping, eating, going to work, going to school, hanging out with friends kind of life, and we just offer it up gratefully to him and say, God, whatever you want to do in my life today, whatever you want to do through my life today, my life is in your hands. So worship is much more than just singing some songs. It is a lifestyle. But that said, there is something really significant, even life-changing, when we come regularly into environments like this and we worship God together, when we sing together, we stand shoulder to shoulder together, we engage together, we agree together, we pour out our hearts together, we lift up our hands together, we lift our voices together, we stand in awe together. We have a worship and prayer night coming January 25th, 26th. Please mark that on your calendar. If you've never been to one, man, it is a powerful, powerful night. You ought to, you ought to make it a priority to be, to be here for that. And while we can and, and do worship God in many more ways than just music and singing, there is something pretty unique about engaging in musical worship that unbolts our hearts. And it reaches places in us and stirs stuff in us unlike few things can do. Now, maybe you're thinking right now, I hear you, man, but bro, listen, I have, I'm not musical at all. To which I would respond, that's what you think. Now, now you, you might not sell out arenas like Taylor Swift, but the truth is you are a musical person. We all are. God put it in us. I got to watch one time an unedited cut of a movie without the soundtrack. You ever done that? It is so stinking boring. Just so boring. It's like decaf coffee. 
It's like Oreos without the creamy white stuff. It's like chips without salsa. It's almost unbearable because it's the music that makes that movie come alive. It's the music that stirs those emotions deep within us because music is hardwired within us. God, our creator, put it there. Did you know our bodies are literally full of music waves? It's in our genes. It's in our chromosomes holding us together. It's why science has proven through the centuries how powerfully healing the properties of music are. Music therapy is used in recovery. It's used in pain management, used in anxiety and depression. Music can lower your blood pressure. It can change your metabolic rate. It can reduce muscle tension, increase endorphin levels, enhance your memory, and on and on. Because it's been hardwired within us, it's in here. And it's one of the primary ways that God invites us to sync up with him. When we open our mouths and we open up our hearts and we just, with humility and awe and affection, remember how good and how great God is, how faithful, how gracious he is, we bring all of who we are to worship all of who he is. A couple of friends of mine uh, wrote a little book a while back called Holy Roar that walks through seven Hebrew words that are used for the word praise in the Old Testament, the Bible. The Old Testament Bible was written in Hebrew. And I, and I learned, I love learning about these words. And not like so I can seem smarter, like I know some Hebrew words. By the way, the only class I ever had to retake in my 18 years of school was Hebrew. And when I, when I finally passed it, I got a D. And I was so grateful for that grace-filled D. Man, I just got through. It was so, so hard. But I love learning these Hebrew words because they help me understand the different ways that you and I can sync up our hearts with God through worship. So I just want to fly through these as some practical ways that maybe in this new year when we come together or when we're singing in the shower or driving our car, we can sync up our hearts with God through worship. The first Hebrew word is this, yadah which just means the hands of praise. Yodal means to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands. Now, don't do this one while you're driving. But, but it's used 111 times in the Bible as a way of expressing reverence, excitement, and awe for who God is. David uses the word in Psalm 67 when he writes, May all the people yodal you, praise you. God, may all the peoples yodal you. Now, I know for some of you, especially those of you that are more, maybe more introverted, when we look around and we see people having their hands raised up in worship, you might start thinking, these are not my people. This is weird, man. This is way too emotional. They're getting way too swept up in the moment. Or maybe you're new to church. You're thinking, man, what, what is this all about anyway? But think about this. You know, lifting our hands, raising our hands up is a pretty natural expression when we're excited or we're in awe. I mean, when the Cowboys score. How many of you just instinctively throw your hands up, right? You go, oh, yes, yes, yes. When our kids score a goal on the soccer field or there's a moving encore at a concert or you're standing on top of a mountain, you're drinking in the sunset, man, you're about to go all Titanic on this thing, right? And gang, this is God, the one who created it all. He spoke the universe into existence. He made the mountaintops. He paints the sunsets. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He knows every star, every grain of sand. He's numbered every hair on your head, and he loves us with an unfailing love. I'm talking about the inventor of chlorophyll and photosynthesis, the maker of DNA. Our God is so huge that he could stand in the depths of the ocean and still only be ankle-deep. 
I mean, my team hits a shot at the buzzer, and I'm, I'm all doing this. Yes, yes, yes. And gang, this is God, the one who made me, the one who created me, the one who saved me, the one who pursued me, the one who chased me down and embraced me. Now, raising hands. Raising hands is never, ever meant to draw attention to yourself. It is not like, hey, look over here, see my hand up? Yeah, I'm really into God, right? No, it's always an expression, just an honest expression of worship. It's just going, yes, yes, yes. God, you're bigger than it all. I'm just in awe of you. I'm amazed by you. I'm just trying to give you all the reverence and adoration I can. And God, in this moment, my hands are up because I'm just saying, I surrender my life to you. I re-surrender to you in this moment. The second Hebrew word is halal, which is the fools of praise. It means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. David uses this word in Psalm 149. He says, let them praise halal, his name with dancing, and make music to him with timbrel and harp. This is the kind of worship where our attitude isn't casual about what God has done for us, but we come ready to celebrate. And we may dance, we may move, we may clap, we may make music and look like a fool, but we were created to do exactly that, to halal, to rave, to shine, to celebrate. Hey, we, we got a night coming in February through our special needs ministry here called A Night to Shine. If you have never attended one, you need to volunteer. I mean, it is amazing. It is one of those halal Nights. I've been involved for over 20 years in churches that are thrown proms like this uh, for special needs students in our communities, and it is amazing. People donate prom dresses, and there's hair and makeup artists there, and tuxedos, and limo rides, and red carpet rolled out, and people volunteer as paparazzi taking pictures of people as they're coming down the red carpet. We've literally had thousands of people, thousands of volunteers just give their time to work with these special needs students. And man, when they're all out there on the dance floor, man, it's amazing. And no one out there is really like a good dancer. And even though the DJ is not really like playing worship music... It's still worship. It's people willing to be clamorously foolish just to love other people that may not ever get a chance to do something like this. To show the extravagant love of God to those who can sometimes feel left out. And when it happens, now every time I watch it, there's this connection between heaven and earth just sinking up. And I know God loves that celebration. Third word is the music of praise called zamar. It just means to make music to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or part of a musical instrument. David uses this word in Psalm 144, verse 9, where he says, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing zamar, praises to you. I, I know that all of us don't play like a musical instrument. I play a little guitar. Uh, when, I, when I say that, I mean a, a little uh, first song I ever learned to play on the guitar was Wasting Away Again in Margaritaville. I'm proud of that. Uh, it's only three chords and I could, I could play it, so I, I, that's how I learned to play guitar. Uh, that's why I'm so grateful for the talented musicians here who just practice their craft so they can volunteer their time every week to lead churches like us in Zamar. And, and what, what they're doing, they're leading us. When the, when the band cranks it up, it's not showtime. It's not this performance. What I love most about Lake Point is that nobody on this stage ever wants the spotlight. Everyone just trying to throw a huge floodlight on God who is so good. I watched a friend of mine play drums in worship a few weeks ago. 
And I know his whole story. Uh, all kinds of addiction, jail time. He's been clean for a few years now. And the dude is a great drummer. When it got to a certain part in the song, I noticed that his intensity started picking up because the lyrics of the song matched his story. And I watched this dude play with something extra. Got tears running down his face. It was Zamar. It was just making music to God. Again, some of you may be thinking, I can't play anything. And I'm, I, honestly, I'm really not a singer either. I got a buddy in Kentucky told me one time, I hear you, bro, but man, I, I'm a jailhouse singer. I said, what? What is that? He goes, I'm, a, I'm behind a few bars and I can't find a key. So that's so stupid, man. That's just dumb. That's just dumb. You are a singer. Like all of creation, every single one of us have been wired with an internal song. Just watch a little kid. They sing. They dance. Nobody had to tell them to do that. And they think they sound great. Again, because it's hardwired within us. We are made in the image of God. So for a Christ follower, singing to God really isn't an option. It's a directive for the music in here to come out. You say, yeah, but I'm, I'm an awful, I really am an awful singer. Listen to me. God transposes it all the way up. I believe he does. In fact, I got a theory about heaven. I think there's a huge refrigerator door in heaven. Here's what I'm talking about. You know when your kids or your grandkids make a little quote-unquote art project? And it's not very good. What do you do when they give it to you? They go, here, look what I did. You don't go, oh, that's stupid. No, you hang it on the refrigerator door, right? My kid did that. And I think that's what God does with all of us awful singers. He goes, listen, I don't, it might not be good, but I'm hanging on my refrigerator door because my kid, my kid did that. So sing. Even if you'll never get a four-chair turn on the voice, you'll turn the only chair that really matters. And you'll get a standing O from him. Then there's the expectation of praise. It, the word, Hebrew word is tudal. Tudal means an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving for things not yet received, a choir of worshipers. This is syncing up with God to say, God, I don't get it right now. Life is hard right now, but I believe you have the best for me. And even in these hard times, I can come to you and I can connect my soul to you and I can offer this sacrifice of praise. And God, I just want to give you thanksgiving for things I have not yet received. I want to thank you, even though my circumstances haven't changed, because I believe that you are unchanging and you are faithful and you are good. David uses this word when he writes in Psalm 56. He says, in God I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render to thou praises to you. David wrote those lyrics when he was on the run from a lunatic king. He was hiding in caves for his life. When he didn't know how it would turn out, even in that, he could extend his hand and say, God, I praise you for who you are, and I trust you for whatever is coming my way. And some of you right now, you're in the cave of chemo. Or maybe you're grieving a loss. Maybe you took a huge financial hit. Or you got a prodigal kid. Or maybe you're having a tough time with your folks right now. Or somebody at school. And you got a bunch of fear about the future. Maybe, just maybe, you could start to sing like David in your current cave. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. Even though I don't understand, I will render to thou praises to you. 
Then there's the Hebrew word barak, which is the posture of praise. It means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to praise, to salute, to thank. Again, David uses this word, Psalm 103, praise barak the Lord my soul for all his inmost being, Barak, his holy name. Barak the Lord my soul and forget not all of his benefits. Now, Barak is not so much about a physical external posture of kneeling, but rather an internal posture of kneeling where you say, this is not about me. It's lowering ourselves. It's humbling ourselves. It's lifting our eyes on the greatness and the goodness of God. It's all about him. Again, from my own personal experience, sometimes we approach worship as consumers. Somebody will ask, well, how was church today? Eh, That's all right. Oh, it's it's pretty good. Oh, it was great. Or, man, it was boring. I'd give it like a seven. I'd give it a six. It was that bald guy again. Uh, And on top of that, man, we didn't sing any songs I really like. And that one song, it was so loud, right? Now I've discovered when that happens inside of me, and sometimes it still does, then the focus is off of God, and it really does honestly become all about my experience and my wants and my needs and my comfort level and my taste. And I approach worship as a me-centered consumer instead of someone who comes to be consumed. And that shift of it's not about me, that I have to continually surrender to God, is changing me. It's been getting my eyes off of me and back on to him. Then there's the Hebrew word tehillah, not to be confused with tequila. It's it's, uh, the songs of praise. It's a hymn, a song of praise, a new song, a spontaneous song. I I love old songs. I I grew up in church, and some of those old hymns I grew up with as a kid still resonate in me. And I especially love it when people take like a really old song and make them feel like brand new, just like put them in new clothes. I, lo- I love that. And I love brand new songs. A few weeks back, uh, our team did a song that they wrote while they were on a retreat. And I went, after, went to them after the service and said, dude, what was that new song? That was awesome. I mean, sometimes the lyrics match up exactly what's going on in your heart in that moment, what you really want to say. I'm so thankful for songwriters. David was a songwriter. In fact, the book of Psalms is all song lyrics. And he uses this word in Psalm 40, verse 3, when he says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise, Tehillah, to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I don't know, maybe some of you are like songwriters, and you could write a Tehillah to God. Or maybe it's just making up a melody while you're in the shower or you're on a jog or you're driving your car. For my daughter Jody, it usually comes out in a spoken word. Her tehillah sounds more like a rap. For instance, uh, a while back, this just flowed out of her. She wrote, it's under my skin on the tip of my tongue and bursting within. The beat of my heart pounds like a cymbal, races and paces, keeping just the right tempo, like I was made to worship, made to sing a new song, made in his image for his glory all along. That every strand of DNA, every strand of hair gone gray, every breath that breaks away, every ounce my body weighs will not let the music stay. This melody can't be kept at bay. My lungs swell up and rush to say, my God, you are worthy at your feet. I lay all of me. 
mind, strength, and soul. I offer my praise, surrender control. My vocal cords tremble, my hands stretch to the sky. I dance, shout, clap, applaud, and amplify your name, your fame, your splendor, your renown, your brightness, your rightness. I humbly fall down before the rocks cry out. I will make a sound as your prize creation. My worship abounds. There is a song in me. So good. And guess what? There's a song in you too. Lastly, there's the word shabak, which is the shout of praise. It means to address in a loud tone, to shout, to commend glory and triumph. David uses that word in Psalm 145, verse 4. He says, one generation will shabak, will praise your works to another. They will tell, shout of your mighty Acts. When we get to be a part of worship, we start shouting God's goodness to our world from one generation to the next. As we engage, as we sync up, as we connect with God in worship, we carry that, that heart full of love and adoration and all into our world and our lives become this anthem that resounds. And one of the coolest things about worship is that when we do it, not only do we get to do it together, but we really get to join all of creation. Did you know that? Everything in all creation was made to give God praise. There's not only music in here. There's not only music in here. There's music out there. I've been doing some fascinating reading lately about how there is music in space, cosmic overtones everywhere. Everything in our universe and all creation is vibrating, radiating musical tones or waves. Now, most of these tones we can't hear because our ears aren't able to, but science shows that we are literally being bombarded with music constantly. In other words, all creation is singing. For instance, they have discovered this black hole that plays a B-flat tone, 57 octaves lower than any tone the human ear can hear. It's just out there in space. Um, just kind of ringing music, kind of setting the key. So some of you probably heard of a guy named Pythagoras. Have you heard of this guy? Like if you, if you did geometry in high school, you, you remember him as Mr. Triangle. He's the guy that came up with the hypotenuse of a, of a triangle. But he was also a Greek scientist and a philosopher who lived around 500 B.C., who along with this secret society of fellow scientists, mathematicians, and astronomers, spent time working out the science and math found in nature. They ended up stumbling upon what has become known as the math of music. Now, I read this in, in one article. Hang with me. It's a little bit nerdy, but just hang with me. The Pythagoreans used music to heal the body and to elevate the soul, yet they believed that earthly music was no more than a faint echo of the universal harmony of the spheres. Each planetary sphere was said to correspond to a different note of a grand musical scale. The particular notes emitted by the planets depended upon their ratio of their respective orbits, just as the tone of a lyre string depended upon its length. There was this intriguing science that began to understand that there is a celestial harmony of the solar system, that the planets are actually singing. 
And scientists and philosophers of the ancient world, like Pythagoras, Plato, Cicero, began to contemplate, contemplate this music of the spheres, as did astronomers like Copernicus and Galileo. And then this brilliant guy came along in the 1600s named Kepler, who he calculated that if each planet revolved around the sun at a certain harmonic distance, the whole solar system would basically be this giant musical instrument creating this cosmic symphony. And what is so stinking cool is that NASA probed and satellites have picked up these electromagnetic vibrations that make music much like the vibration of a string that's plucked on a guitar or a violin or a cello. And modern scientists today agree with Pythagoras and Kepler that there really is this music of the spheres. And what's really cool to me is one of the things that compelled a guy like Kepler to do research was a passage in the Old Testament of the Bible from the book of Job where God asked Job, were you there at the creation of the world when the heavenly body sang in harmony. I recently heard a recording by a sound engineer, a scientist named Bernie Krauss, who records sounds in nature. He recorded the sap inside of a cottonwood tree exploding. It, it is so cool. You ought to Google it sometime. It is so cool. It sounds like a master percussionist just tapping out a rhythm. The point is this. All of creation is making music in praise of its creator. You know, having lived the past seven years in Southern California and Ventura, California on the coast, every time I would go to the beach, it was so good for my soul. I would just sit there in awe and I would think of scriptures like Psalm 93, which is the seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Debbie and I recently moved back to Kentucky to help with family and there in Kentucky, there are acres and acres of uh, horse farm fields. And I think of Psalm 96, verse 12, and it says, Let the fields, let the fields and the crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise. And you know the rivers join in as well. It says, Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, as do the snow-covered mountains. Isaiah 55, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And you know what? The stars do a pretty stellar job. Waterfalls do a spectacular job. There are over 600 species of beetles why? I don't know. But they all chirp their praise. Lions roar, hummingbirds hum, mountains and beaches and prairies and fields and rain and thunder and snowfall. They all join in. And gang, if all creation sings God's praise, then maybe, just maybe, as his most prized creation, we ought to be the loudest and the most passionate. Because we are his rescued sons and daughters created in his image to connect our hearts with the lover of our soul. My buddy T.D. Oaks, who's a worship leader and been friends a long time, he sent me this one time. I just want to share it with you. He said, I said I could. He said, in a loud world of dissonance, worship is our opportunity to retune our lives to Christ. It's in worship that we hear again the clear tone of God. Remember his goodness, his love, and adjust our lives to match him. It's just like tuning an instrument or an orchestra. You need a keynote or a tone to tune to. 
for everything to match up and allow us to play together. And that's what worship does. Slows us down. Focuses our hearts and lives on the ultimate keynote. Our creator, God, Father, and Savior. Gang, there is music out there. There's music in here. There's music in here. So what do you say we sync up and practice this like right now? Here's, here's what I want to do. I want to invite everybody at all of our campuses right now, even if you're online, to stand to your feet. And we're going to empty our hearts in adoration and praise of our Father who put that music in us. And let's connect our hearts right now to the hearts of God. Let me pray, and then we're going to do that. Father, so grateful to be able to say there is no one like you. God, we sing around here sometimes where we just sing that lyric and it's resonating in my heart right now where we, we sing, there is no rival. There is no equal. There is no one like you. And God, what you have done for us and what you continue to do for us, God, right now, we just want to say thank you. We just want to empty our hearts in awe and adoration of you. And God, we do not want to let creation get a leg up on us. We want to be the loudest. We want to be the most passionate because you have done so much for us. So God, in these moments right now, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would be so pleased that our worship right now would be all about you and would bring a huge smile to your face. God, we love you and we worship you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all worship together.
Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. 
and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.